Welcome to the Key of Life podcast, a show where we explore the limitless creative potential that exists within our human life, from birth to death, ancestry, and everything in between. Every human holds a key that opens a door of possibility to create, sustain, and transform within ourselves and with others. When we share our keys, we create deeper access to the keys within ourselves and open the doors of remembrance within others. I'm your gatekeeper and guide, Nanadua L. Hog. Let's open the door together. Hello and welcome to the Key of Life podcast. I'm Ninaru, and today we have Indy, who is here talking with us about death work. She is a mama, a birth worker, death worker, occultist, um, artist, just lovely human. And I'm so excited to have her on. Welcome. Thank you so much, Ninaru. It's so great to be here. I'm like just cheesing the whole time listening to the introduction. <laughs> so excited. But yes, please tell us about yourself and a little bit about who you are, anything that I missed in your intro. Right. I think it's so funny because whenever I'm asked that, I'm like, where do I start? Like, especially when I'm asked, what do I do? Um, I like to say that I'm a Renaissance woman because I have so many different interests and skills and talents, but I grew up in an African household in the Americas, in North America specifically. So I think culturally that identity was always kind of challenging for me because I was taught so many different things about who I was supposed to be, but I didn't see that mirrored. So I like to say that I'm a multidisciplinary artist um, who focuses in different niches and an overall wise woman who offers various cares depending on the needs of the person who I'm working with. Amazing. Yes. Definitely hearing your like being who you see yourself as rather than who you know, cultural background or family members wanted to put upon you or paint you out as. And I love that. I love that. Right. Um, that little tidbit. So yeah. tell tell us about how you got into birth work, death work, mediumship, all of that. Right. What's funny about like not wanting to be defined by what people say we are, we also inherit traits from the people that we are brought up by and genetically right and through our dna and through our ancestral memory so a lot of what i've done has been inherited from those people specifically the women i come from a long line of caregivers of nurses of chefs of cooks of midwives so um that skill was already inherent and i was the first boy first born of a line of girls before the boys started incarnating. So there was a lot of feminine energy around me. So a lot of that had to do with nurturing, with caretaking, um, with being able to tap into those realms where you're intuiting the needs of other people. And it wasn't until I was about 19, 20, that I randomly had a conversation with my mother. She was like, you should be a doula. I'm like, what is that? And she had never told me about it, even though she was a nurse, like, since before I was even born. But uh, that conversation was an introduction for me to explore birth work in a way. And I had always been called to it. I always had the gift of connecting with unborns. Um, I used to spook my family a lot because I always knew when people were pregnant before it happened. I knew the names, I knew like the sex and everything. And they'd be like, how did you know? And they wouldn't say anything because secrecy was a big thing in my family. But I think that was to help me 
be initiated into the mysteries kind of early because I always had to ask a lot of questions. So that's pretty much the introduction with, with Birthwork. And then I um, went through a long journey and I ended up connecting with sisters, like sisterhood and people who would house me and take me in. And from them, I always learned more skills. So I was introduced to yoga, to yoni steaming, to um, making like vegan meals and fasting and all different sorts of things that were not part of the culture I was brought up in, but were extensions of some of that um, remembrance. Because it's things that we've always done across cultures, but many of us weren't exposed to. So sisterhood was also a huge part of that in community. Just want to like say how much I resonate with what you said, especially about how you inherited all those traits from your ancestral line as well, because a lot of people think that it's just some random thing, just like someone is born and all of a sudden like they are psychic when more times than not, it's that this, this like technology is something that's available in your bloodline. And it's a matter of like nurturing that. So a lot of times people just like have psychic people in general. And I don't even like to say the word psychic because again, it's, I believe that it's literally just like a innate technology that exists in the human body that you just have to tap into it and nurture it to allow it to develop. Same as if you're like a gymnast and you're learning gymnastics, you have to develop your leg muscles and your arm muscles to do certain tricks. You know, it's about developing mm -hmm. that muscle for sure. And it definitely sounds like on top of having that in your bloodline, you are also nurtured with like experiences. You're mentioning living, living with different women and learning different modalities and, and stuff like that. That's also part of it yeah. in the, as well. And I also want to point to the fact that like, same, like I definitely have uh, a bunch of different like mediumshipy and psychic people <laughs> in my I think it's a prerequisite for this work. <laughs> Literally, I think so too. I think it definitely is a prerequisite. Even if you don't think that you have that, like I seriously invite you to just like look at like the different experiences you've had in birth spaces and look at what your intuition was telling you about certain things and you might you might prove yourself wrong or right who knows I don't know <laughs> maybe you're not psychic but yeah for sure mm -hmm. and it wasn't just the women too I want to highlight and offer space for that because a lot of like my teachers like very directly were men like my father gave me books about mummification when I was six or seven so I was learning about Kemet Young and those are my ancestors directly so on both sides of my family and so I would always get you know some of these books or these these traditions like he was one who burned resin in the house I could not stand it when I was little because it was so strong but I didn't understand or even revere that practice until I was old enough to understand the value of what was going on in my household so it's like looking back that I understand what things were going on that now is like new age popularity it's like this is deep in the roots for us like this is what we we're brought up with and it's so funny how we can kind of deviate from that a little bit to explore and then we come right back to what we were already doing yep oh my gosh I love that you even pointed that out because 100% that is like my experience <laughs> growing up too like my mom used to constantly burn incense and um do mantras with me and for me and just like 
be surrounded in all of this like you said now being called new age (laughs) Mm -hmm. type of practices when it's like no this isn't really new anything this is actually quite old like this is ancient ancestral practices that are still going on but it's new to you Mm -hmm. (laughs) type stuff so totally resonate with that and totally resonate with the like we, we variate and go on our different paths and yeah. then come back to what we were doing anyway. I totally, I totally feel that, especially if um, any of my listeners have heard my earlier podcast episode with Emily Bruce when I was talking about how I even got into birth work and how I was in university and like was going to do the science route. And then I was like, no. And then literally just came back to like, my ancestral practices and like herbalism and and everything like that but it's it's what's meant you know it's like what's in your blood and in my in my brain like immediately what comes to mind is like why fix something that isn't broken you know like why (laughs) why change something that is perfectly designed right Mm-hmm. Yeah, And part of that, I think, is we have the skill of interpretation and we're kind of like these um, archaeologists going to retrieve like data. So we have to go into those medical spaces to kind of understand, because I think there's also this view of ancestral work being primitive and being like not advanced, which is also false because we were doing a lot of these same things that are happening in allopathic medicine then as well. But we had the combination with with the natural and intuitive process that was happening and only ever if that intervened when it was critical because we understood the the process of birth uh, removed from pathology. And that has also, that um, mindset has infiltrated not just birth work, but also death work as well. And the way that we live our day-to-day lives, like fear is the motivation for so many people. And so they seek out those external uh, experts, quote unquote, to to guide them because they're not aware that they can govern themselves and that they have the not only right but the ability to do so. Exactly, it's this like again moving away from ancestral practices and moving into allopathy. Like you said, it's it's really removing people from from like the the root and inherent ebbs and flows of nature and physiology and just like how the earth and cycles even work to the point where it's people now now don't know about any of that they can probably sense it in their bodies because it's like so innate but because the the fear is there now they're they're like disconnected from that or that they're like cut off from that in a sense Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say completely cut off. I don't, I don't know that I believe that people are completely cut off from, from, um, accessing that. It's more dormant. Yeah. Like cut off. It's not exactly. Yeah. So it just lies dormant for sure. And yeah, as you said before, just like creates that mistrust in yourself because it's like, there's, there's a lack of trust in your your natural body and your gifts and just like nature in general there's like a mistrust in that and what allopathy does is is like creates an illusion that like it's like set in stone 
you know, but like nothing is set in stone ever. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not really yeah. how nature works. Everything shifts and transforms and oscillates. Nothing is ever the same thing over and over and over and over again. If you look at any research data, there's like always an outlier. There's always outliers, mm-hmm. you know, like something can happen frequently more than once. Yeah. Multiple times. And then randomly or seemingly randomly, it just freaking shifts and then doesn't happen that right. way anymore. You know, mm-hmm. so it's actually one of the books my father gave me was Outliers. I believe the author's name is Maxwell something. So he was telling me like there are anomalies. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. There are anomalies, and nothing is ever a robotic, regenerative, in the box experience or thing when it comes to the human body or natural life in general like Mm -hmm. biology period (laughs) like it just doesn't work like that and again it's just this like illusion that you can predict the future or this specific outcome is going to definitely happen because you like you're doing allopathy which isn't true you know Mm -hmm. which isn't true you're not going to predict it from a state of fear either and I think what stands out in those spaces is that people, and there's a lot of grace for that because a lot of it is rooted in trauma. I mean, blood was literally shed for this fear to come up. People weren't allowed to do their practices. They were punished for that, right? And then there's the erasure of these things from the physical eye. So we don't have those books or those accounts. And a lot of what happened in our culture was removed because we didn't have connection with those griots and with those wise women, with those storytellers who passed on the information. So it was also the role of the elders to to share those stories. And so when we go into spaces where there is secrecy or there is shame or anger or resistance to that growth and to uh, the association of pain, which we also find in death, that aversion that people don't want to experience, mm-hmm. but as part of the initiation for healing, just like in any yoga practice, once you lean into that sensation emotion, you're going to have that release. You're going to cry. You may feel things you haven't felt in years, birth, and even going towards the, the process of dying will bring those things up for resolution. The body actually is a high form of technology and it wants to, to be resilient, to persevere. And it's going to amplify the symptoms for you to go deeper to assess what's happening. And allopathic medicine can definitely get in the way of that process of allowing people. It's not so much to suffer, mm-hmm. but it is to to build endurance, to build stamina for those kinds of situations. And to also understand that we can recover, that we can heal. And we're not meant to stay in those states for long and extended periods of time. Exactly. 100%. I don't even know. I don't think I have anything to even <laughs> add to that. That's like facts. <laughs> facts right. on facts. Like it's all an opportunity to resolve all of these these experiences, these like thought patterns, this this like matter that our soul is trying to burn constantly. Like our body helps us do that. Mm-hmm. So 100 freaking percent and I love that you even mentioned too like the discomfort around death and and stuff like that before we had the tech interference I just remembered I mentioned too that one of my aunts actually has 
the gift of being able to like see how and when people will die like through her dreams it's not anything that like she intentionally tries to do it she will literally just dream it and then it happens and that is so totally intense and she's told me how intense it has been for her to have that and I was mentioning that like wow like specific gifts are really given to specific people that Mm -hmm. have the ability to hold that because I'm thinking about my own gifts and I'm like I do not know that I would be able to hold that (laughs) that's a lot of responsibility that's Mm -hmm. a lot of responsibility and I think like some part of that for me is like this like discomfort around death thing you know Mm -hmm. because it's like even though we're already dying literally we're dying dying every day day. (laughs) we're dying every day and yet we're so uncomfortable with the idea or the thought of death Mm -hmm. and yet constantly as well being put in the space to to contend with that and to like let that go and really mm. accept it as part mm-hmm. of the life cycle too. Yeah, yeah. so. And we've had multiple deaths already. And most of it is actually pain. It's not death we're afraid of. It's feeling mm. like it's going to be painful and that we're going to be conscious and aware of how it feels to die. And mm-hmm. it's it's an illusion. Literally. Wow. Yes. And that's just, again, presencing to me how totally connected the birth and and death portal is because it's like you're faced with the same fear it's one cycle it's not it's not two separate events that are happening exactly it's like it's the loop the circle of life (laughs) (laughs) i mean that literally is it and i really love that you touched on her experience of having um the connection with dreams because death work and and birth work are so similar in so many ways and I know that's why I was initiated into both to have that understanding and very similarly to her I like you're called to that work or you're called to have that gift and it didn't really show up for me in my dreams but it showed up to me through like the waking state of having dreams Mm. and of of being tapped into certain people as they're transitioning and an example of that, I remember I was out in the woods and I was like connecting with some of my friends. We went for a walk, like we were hiking, and I was seeing symbols, like items and actual um, creatures, like butterfly and a bee flew by me. And I was connecting to Muhammad Ali, for example. That's like potent symbolism for him. But I remember going to sleep one day and waking up with uh, careless whispers stuck in my head by George Michael. And I'm like, hmm, I haven't heard that song. And it's very specific because there will be things that people introduce me to. So a friend introduced me to that song. And I was like, I wonder why this song popped up today. Like, I mean, when I say open my eyes, I mean, rank breath, like didn't even rub the crust out. Like I just returned to my body in that way. And I happened to just look him up and he had died that day. Like that morning he had transitioned. So it will be things like that where you're not actively seeking those things out but you get the message and especially when people have impacted other people it's so much easier of course to access that but when it gets to your community and those who are around you it really depends on the relationship that you have and sometimes those beings will seek you out when they're transitioning because you happen to have a light and you can see them or you can hear them so that's a huge part of it also yeah and it's similar to what i said about being able to tell when unborns were coming i was in contact 
with those babies in utero or even before they transition. And they would tell me, this is going to be my name. This is what I'm going to be doing here. But I didn't have anyone to give me any language around that. So I was like, can't everybody do this? Like, I just thought, <laughs> you heard. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> that's just what it is. You hear that too? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> 100%. And just like, I'm just like, <laughs> like being present to like all of the symbols that life is constantly showing us and then like piecing them together Mm -hmm. and seeing that all of these things in our environment are like showing us exactly what message we're we're needing to see in that moment and I'm also thinking about like my own experiences because like I don't like dream people's deaths or anything like that but I definitely I definitely like sense and can like auditorily interface with like ancestors or like dead or maybe even like future beings etc and yeah like the gifts show up so uniquely for for each specific person and i i believe just so perfectly for what their mission is here and and how they need to receive messages in a way that doesn't like completely um, like rock them, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, and we have help. Mm-hmm. We have help with that. A huge part of that, like this, what we are calling psychic, I really resonate more with mediumship because all of these abilities are unique to the incarnate, to the to the earthly experience. Mm-hmm. So. And the realms of birth and death specifically are governed by that element. So a lot of this has to do with the elemental kingdom, actually. And that's what I tap into because that consciousness is in a totally different plane. So what we're interfering with is we're actually connecting with all these different elements in different forms and we're translating. So because the that consciousness, that grandmother or that grandfather or that person who transitioned doesn't exist physically anymore. So we're connecting mm-hmm. with what's closer to that source or to the divine or God or whatever people go on to call it goddess. And we're, we're getting information through those symbols, through those archetypes and um, quite literally those elemental spirits, because when we're born, they gift us this body and they gift us these abilities through the beings that they created with those similar bodies and traits through that bloodline. But they also take those abilities back. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really um, contractual. And when you can build deeper relationship with those elements, which each person is really connected to one element, but then they have relation with the others and then they may cultivate and, and learn how to harness the gifts of more like Avatar, like The Last Airbender, all these things. And you go into all these these different um, you know movies and films and books about these things. We're going back into that memory and recollecting like, oh, we can actually do this. It doesn't necessarily look like what's being depicted, but that's a good symbol and a way for us to like catalyze us going on that quest to retrieve the information. Mm, yes, totally, totally, totally. Everything you just said and absolutely love that you pointed out that this is all like an earthly experience of these things. I think also a lot of people think that it's like, you know, like it's like, it's it's all this like outside of earth and outside of your body and just like outside of this human experience type thing when it's like yes we exist on those other planes as well and where our consciousness or like where we cu- currently are is 
on earth having an earthly experience in a human body you know starting line (laughs) exactly it's the starting line and of course you're going to receive these messages through those mediums of the elements Mm -hmm. (laughs) duh Mm -hmm. because that's what your body is made up of what everything on this planet is made up of of course you're going to receive it in that way for me even i think like uh like when people visually can can see spirits and stuff like that, I believe that's still elemental. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Like it's still elemental. It's still hitting light. Light is still hitting matter, and mm-hmm. you're able to see the matter that it's hitting through whatever way you're cognizing it to see right. a figure or or whatever it is you're seeing. You know, right. like it's, it's all, all very practical. It's it is a science. That's why these are called high sciences or high forms of the arts. It's not this fantastical, I make a wish and just happens out of nowhere. There is a divine process. It's like, I always think of math and like science when I see what things happen. And I think that's why so many people get called to numerology. They get called to uh, astrology and to all these different forms that actually require a balance of the intellect and the spiritual understanding of what's actually being imbued or projected upon into those like archetypes or those essences. Because you can know what these things are, but you're not going to know how it plays out until that life force has been put into it. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we have that balance and that contract with our soul working with the elements that govern these specific planes and places. And as we go into different levels and states of consciousness, there are elements that work at each level. So mm-hmm. depending on what gifts and what abilities you have, you're going to be drawn to a certain element to do more of that work. Yep. 100%. I totally agree. And I think it's relatively, I think it's relatively easy to to intuit or feel into what elements you connect with um, or gravitate to more. And I like for me specifically, I think I gravitate more towards like water. <laughs> I think a uh, lot of birth workers do. <laughs> yeah, like I think so as well. And it's not even like a oh yeah, I'm a water sign and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Like of course. It's like specific things in your life come up to where it's like, no, like this is this is like one hundred percent I'm connected to this element. For example, right. like for some for quote unquote for some reason, <laughs> wherever I end up living is like near a source of water like like mm-hmm. i live i live super near to a uh, uh a lake right now and like i live across the street from a creek and then when mm-hmm. i was a kid i lived like near a creek near a lake always mm-hmm. near a body of water near a beach my grandma lives near a beach right. it's whatever's <laughs> constant yeah. exactly it's like and it's i feel too also so connected to your ancestral lands as well because different ancestral lands have different terrains and different Mm -hmm. elements that are more readily available than Mm -hmm. than in other places as well just again just like observing nature and like yourself and like how you are and how you move it really mirrors like these elements in your environment as well and Mm -hmm. I think that's another way that you can access that and kind of like peer into like oh okay like yeah like I'm like I feel like I'm more connected to like earth and like blah 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 from Mm -hmm. all of that and 
to finish off that little spiel, I want to ask you <laughs> what element you feel inherently like most connected to and how this um, comes into play in your, your work. Um, yeah, it, there was a little tech moment there. <laughs> um, the elements, I actually connect with three specifically. Um, the first and the most dominant that I've always connected to has been water. And that's just my innate state. I do happen to have those water placements also, but I, I've always just been drawn to it. I mean, it, it just understands me and I understand it very clearly. It's, it hasn't been any kind of thing that I had to actively learn. We just linked like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also really connect with the earth element as well. And I think a part of that ties into even the death work and some of my skills and abilities with like cooking and food and materializing and using my hands and building and forming. So that's more of like the tactile connection and the sensory connection that I have um, that was formed. But the other one is ether or Akash. And that one's really personal to me because that's my mother's name, actually. Um, And so I always had that symbolism around me, around me being born. And I always had this kind of otherworldly kind of sense that there's more, right? That there's something going on in the background that's holding all this together. And that's for all these things to um, piece, you know, or for the painting to be painted, we need a canvas, right? So I was always aware of those things. And I tried to seek those things out in every situation, like what's going on in the background. So those are the three that I feel the most connected to, but I work with all of them. And I often challenge myself to work with the elements that I'm not as connected to, to, it's kind of like working with your left hand and your right hand, right? You Mm -hmm. need that balance in both hemispheres. So when I do connect with fire and I do connect with air, it's always usually what other people bring to me as their medicine and how I can integrate that into practice. So it's really, really fun. Um, and it's really challenging to to go out of your element, right? That expression <laughs> and to work in other ways because it allows for that growth and that harmony to take place because we're all of them are connected to us. And as we die, it's very clear to see what the dominant element was based on how a person dies, but also the states that the body goes through. Because um, like, if someone maybe dies naturally and peacefully in their sleep, the air may be the first to go, right? Like the actual breath. And with that, the fire is put out, right? And then the body continues to deteriorate the earth, right? And then the water, the blood will drain out. And, and most people think death is just this instant process. But I was like that kid who used to watch um, time lapses of like dying matter. <laughs> like, I, I was obsessed with like the decomposers of the animal kingdom and um, I'm a blackbird, right? So that's my kingdom. That's the elemental kingdom. They're, they eat carcasses, right? But it's an essential role because they actually clean things up, right? Mm-hmm. They take to use what is still useful and what we know as birth workers. And um, when we're using carcasses like chicken carcasses and we're making bone broth, it's dense, it's mm-hmm. nutrients, and it's restorative. So a lot of what is seen now is like taboo and like gross and scary is actually quite beautiful when you really see the whole process and what it gives back to Mm. others all these trees that are growing places are deep in these swamps there's a lot of dead matter there that's that is taking from it that is pulling from just like we pull these gifts and abilities from our ancestors Mm -hmm. yes oh my gosh thank you for highlighting that 
that decomposition aspect of the wheel of life um, that is so forgotten about and highlighting the nutrients and just the well of just juicy goodness that exists in that and that quite literally sustains and supports us and like nourishes us the same as like how like a baby is nourished in like a womb you know like you're Mm -hmm. getting all of this technically well maybe not decomposed but processed Mm -hmm. (laughs) reprocessed uh, nutrients from your mom same ways you're getting this like reprocessed reconstituted nutrients from the earth from your ancestors from just like everything and it's just so deeply interwoven and connected and Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know I like to like talk about the vegan agenda on here a lot (laughs) but it it relates you know and I feel like part of that is like a fear of death and as well because it's like this fear of like killing something to get nutrients from it well that's we're Mm -hmm. doing that every day with everything Mm -hmm. we literally do every breath we take (laughs) like there's Mm -hmm. collecting the fruit off the vine still kills us literally it's not separate (laughs) the thing is we're actually attracted to that we're attracted to death but we've been taught to fear it Mm. it's happening all the time every day we're always releasing we're letting go we're not the same people that we were two years ago let it go six months not 15 that version of us has died maybe people are more comfortable with metaphorical death but in a sense that version yes the the wisdom that was attained from those experiences still exists but that physical manifestation of that person is no longer mm-hmm. and so these things are constantly and subtly teaching us what's going to happen when that bigger mac- macrocosm event happens as well 100 mm-hmm. percent, and yeah all of that and I want to like use this as a segue into your experiences working with like um, families moving through death or like people moving through death and you spoke to like the elemental side and how and like Mm -hmm. what someone is most connected with with certain types of deaths etc and yeah just tell us a little bit more about like your experiences with that and and working mm-hmm. with people who are dying and their families and processing and reintegrating them consciously into this like wheel. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, thank you for that prompt. Um, so just to kind of highlight, I want to give some language and like foundation to what death work is and also kind of what it isn't. But a lot of it looks different depending on the type of death work that you offer. And right now I'm kind of bridging things because I wasn't, like I said, I, I was called to do this. Like I, this wasn't like on my agenda of like, oh, I just want to go and tend to people <laughs> this way. Like I literally graduated from culinary school and I thought I was going to go deeper into birth work. And they were like, no, we're going to put you in a space and a job where you're caring for people who are transitioning. And um, a lot of death work in more of an allopathic setting, I'm kind of combining allopathic with traditional. Like I'm again, I'm in that space of study right now. I'm seeing what's happening in these spaces so that I can pull back the ancestral memory and develop that practice, but I have to start here. And a lot of that um, involves supporting literally the dying person, either through providing care, like feeding them, changing them. That includes like their briefs and like diapering, which happens again at the end of the spectrum, just like the beginning. Um, Grooming can be bathing and brushing teeth and also just having companionship, um, having 
conversation. Mostly for me, it's listening because I deal with a lot of um, dementia patients, those who have Alzheimer's or varying forms of cancer who are either fall risks who had some kind of surgeries where they're completely dependent on other people for their sustenance. So um, I work with people even up until they're like 99. My oldest client right now is 99 years old and still kicking. And you can really clearly see, even though he's not having conscious uh, conversation, that the body, again, is resilient. It is fighting to survive unconsciously, right? Um, and so depending also on the life experience and the expertise of the doula or worker, um, it is mostly non-medical, just like most birth keepers or doulas kind of have that umbrella. And then if they have other kind of trainings or other abilities, they can combine that into their service or their practice. And um, usually it's the family that hires support for that person. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of have a delicate balance between what that person may want for the person who's transitioning and the actual desires of the person who's going. And so a huge part of that is um, attachment, right? You get to see where the attachments have taken place, what things are or are not said between the dynamics of family members. So maybe they could have had fallouts or secrecy, or maybe they're close with one sibling versus the other. And you are a witness to the events that have taken place over a period of the person's life. And you start to kind of unravel that. And it can be challenging sometimes. There, In my experience, I've noticed that the daughters have a harder time than some of the sons that come through. And I think it's just that um, deeply psychic link. Uh, and it also depends on what parent is passing. Um, it's different with mothers and with fathers. And that's just very general and based on a Western like culture and mindset of how we bonded with our families given those kinds of structures, but it's very similar that death is also viewed as a pathology. They treat it like trying to give them pills at certain times and they have to eat and do certain things. And also people don't really think about it until it happens to them. But when someone passes, it is really expensive for most families. And most families aren't prepared. They don't have access to the will. They don't know what the person wants done to their body. And overall, I mean, it's increased, of course, because of COVID and all these other new and upcoming diseases and viruses that, that exist that are affecting the immunity of the elderly and who don't have access to things like herbalism, who aren't doing like Tai Chi and working on their pranic bodies and like enhancing their earthly experience. And that market can gross over $10 million per one human life. $10 million, right? Yeah. So, of course, that's a lot of motivation to treat death in a way where it's like you need to be locked in a space and you need to have constant supervision and we need to be monitoring you and telling you what to do and what not to do. And so it was really enlightening for me to see those parallels in, in birth work and in death work and to begin to kind of nourish into that space and to offer um, some of that counsel in the way that I can. And a lot of that has to do with like um, giving people information of like, do you know that there's this version? Instead of a pill, you could try this tea. And I just kind of suggest it in allopathic spaces, but to the family members for them to consider. Because ultimately, similarly to birth, it's not about me. It's about my client. And then it's about whoever has hired me. But I try to honor what I see that the person needs. And when the family's not around, so I work overnight and I'm working 12 hours, I will sense into and I will literally talk to and pray with and and like decree over that person to speak through them and see what's going on, you know, th- whatever it is that they need in that moment. And an example is, you know, sometimes 
these clients, they are no longer with their spouses. Their spouse may have passed on before them, but they'll be constantly calling out to their spouse, right? And so I will do a lot of heart work with them, like sitting with them, actually rubbing their chest, kind of working through them, reminding them what, of what's happening. And it can be quite sad because a lot of people aren't ready to deal with what's happened and they're taught to lie to the person. Like, she'll be back, she went to the store. You know, wow. these are things that I hear people telling those who are dying and those who are in really innocent and vulnerable states and have no control, right? So it's deeply ethical to be in this kind of space. And I think people are more fro prone to being frustrated with adults and the elderly who are transitioning than with a child, mm. who, you know, and teaching them and having the empathy. If you're still learning, right, we kind of discard those and it's different too in Western culture because in in the Caribbean and in Africa and all these different places, usually the elderly live with their family. Mm -hmm. So to see people in these institutions, in these nursing homes and in these other spaces and not have that connection to family, it's really rare that I do have a client and I do appreciate when they have an over the top quote unquote client who wants to know, what are y'all doing to my dad? When are y'all feeding him? What are mm -hmm. you feeding him? What's the brand? Like, People see that as like, oh, they're doing too much. When actually I'm like, kudos to you because that is your family. You need to take care of your bloodline to that degree. So exactly. there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of people's emotions and their, their sights of what should or shouldn't happen due to programming and their personal beliefs. So I'm really trying to bring in more rituals and rites of death that are considered taboo in the West into more of these spaces. And as I grow and get more experience, ultimately I'm going to have my own space for those things. Yes. Oh my gosh. And as you're speaking, just like the words that are really just present in my mind right now is that is yeah, is that death impacts a bloodline just as powerfully as birth does. You know? Mm -hmm. Death impacts a bloodline just as powerfully as life does and i'm just noticing so many of the similarities of how quote unquote modern day society treats birth and death like in the yeah. literal exact sort of way and yeah. as you pointed to too like the the interesting dichotomy like between death and and like um or like el being elderly or a crone mm -hmm. and um and like being a child is it's so similar and it's like this idea that these elderly people are like you're like this person's old like they've lived like they should know these things but it's like a it's like you're going through like that. you're not useful yeah anymore you did what you need to do exactly and it's like kind of similar to how and you said it too, we treat children, but like there's a little bit more empathy to that with a mm -hmm. child because it's like, oh, like this person just got here. Well, this person is like just leaving here after years and years and mm -hmm. years of being here. Yeah. You know, like imagine that, like imagine mm -hmm. you've just devoted this like long like literally your life devoted this long <laughs> stretch of time to existing in a space and creating in a space and it's like this you're now having to separate from it mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. like yeah it's like there's a lot there 
to let go of and to detach from mm-hmm. and it comes up in all of these ways of like possibly not being able to like like with like alzheimer's for example or like different body pains or like mm-hmm. even like not being able to control your like bowels and your your bladder and whatever it's like yeah. all this compiled like this person has lived so much and has gone through so many experiences physically emotionally spiritually to where like this is like the final ascension up this mountain for them and they've accumulated all of this stuff in their body like physical body spiritual body whatever to where it's coming out like this mm-hmm. you know so it's like it's not just oh like they're not useful or like they should know better and blah 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 it's like they have experienced this human life to like the extent to which their body was meant to um, experience it and now this is like the the symptom of that or like the expression yeah. of that and to to like not honor that is like I'm even gonna I feel like I'm gonna start crying it's like it's so fucking sad mm-hmm. it's so sad how we treat it's a process of grief yes like, they hold it the most yes yes mm-hmm. Like, they hold it the most, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, whew, I'm just thinking about, again, how, like, your culture, my culture, too, Caribbean, African cultures, mm-hmm. typically, like, your elderly live with you. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. So it's like you don't have that cutoff from mm-hmm. that aspect of life and from that transition from, like, all of a sudden Your identity literally <laughs> yeah who literally. you are how you grew up the things that you that, that you ate the voices that you've heard mm-hmm. you know through your lifetimes it's, it's familiar those are the people who care for you just like in birth it would be your family it would be your loved ones your your partner whoever conceived with you or whoever you bring in to be as part of the extension of that family that is the same process and I, you can see people's uncomfortability with like now this trending like i don't know if you're on like tiktok but there's this age filter and oh, people I've are seen it. so emotional about it like oh my god i'm gonna be old one day like i'm gonna look like this or realizing by the time i look like this my parents won't be here anymore and like all these mm-hmm. symptoms and these feelings involved with an aspect that is that greets everyone that's a part of everyone's experience we're born and we die that is the universal and cosmic shared experience of being human Mm -hmm. that we have all removed from all the dogma in between that's part of that akash part of that canvas that i was speaking about that people aren't always aware of and it can be a lot to, to deal with some of these for the first time and also to see that it's totally different in the west how we experience death versus in other places because a lot of these symptoms and these conditions and these like diseases and illnesses are actually a result of having lived that kind of life. Yep. Whereas you can look to Asia and see people doing Tai Chi at 99 and dying of natural deaths happily in their bed, in their home, and being ready and saying, I'm ready to go. Exactly. Versus that struggle with like, I feel like I didn't accomplish what I needed to. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. People are depending on me. One day I'm going to die. I want to make sure that you're ready to exist without me. It's they're not living their missions out. And that's why I spoke to secrecy. That's why I spoke to attachments and why it's so important for the elderly to pass on that information and to share their stories and to be vulnerable. And it can be quite challenging because they grew up in a totally different time and culture 
than we did. And um, it takes extreme courage to be able to live long and to see all the ways that the world has changed. Like, let us consider that from the 60s alone to now, it was a totally different environment of how they could show up, especially mm-hmm. as brown or indigenous people. And, and then, you know, maybe to be immigrants or to have had, you know, to work on literally the railroad all the ding dong day, like, and to mm-hmm. be now in a space where everything is digital and everything is tech and it's still transforming and you feel like you have to catch up and you, again, you had so many deaths already and you're still having to evolve up into that point. It's it's a lot. And you can tell when people are struggling with no longer being independent. You can tell when they feel helpless and they have so much pain, but they don't have the voice to communicate that and they need the advocate to represent them. And when their quality of life has been drastically shifted, when they're restricted to a bed or to a room or to a very monotonous routine, uh, it's, it's totally... Um, a space that needs a huge revolution and I'm really grateful to be part of of seeing that and I think how I'm offering uh, more healing and more medicine in that space is while they can for those of my clients who have been able to talk and communicate and so far all of my clients have died after I've met them so I'm, I'm really grateful to have been part of that journey with them but I asked them like I kind of interview in a way it's like what are the things that you'd want to pass on. Like, what would you tell a young child that you couldn't have known until you reached this point? Mm-hmm. What's your life story? What do you want your children to know that maybe you don't feel comfortable telling them, but you could tell me? What are some of the secrets that you've held on to for years that you want to tell me so that you can be free of that? And like, what? how do you want your body to be cared for when you pass away? Have you already prepared for that? Do you have things in place? Because I because I'm in an agency, I can only be here so long, but if you're like a deaf worker who has your own practice, you can be specifically hired to actually dress the body, to wash the mm-hmm. body, to be there for the funeral, to be there for the cremation, and to help the family with grief. And a huge part of that also is addressing people's spiritual beliefs about life and death. So for me, I've seen a lot of clients, I <laughs> I connected with like Goddess Newt from my first client because she had a, a literal papyrus hanging in her grief. This was an older white woman. And wow. she, I was like, do you know what this is? I was like, uh, no, no one ever was able to tell me. I was like, so you attracted me to come and explain this to you because like you, she got it from Egypt. Like she was wow. there. And so there, I always keep seeing, and in and, and that aspect, that version of Newt, she is the arc between life and death. And the sun is, is swallowed up in her body and it symbolizes resurrection. And I literally met her and started working with her on Easter. And I kept seeing things about Jesus and, and all the different deities that deal with resurrection and those same themes. And so I'm like, wow, I'm learning just as much from you right now as you are benefiting from me just offering you care. Mm-hmm. And you can tell where they like are so uncomfortable or like, no, you don't have to, you don't have to help. They want to keep having that independence, right? And so it's a balance of making sure that you help them in the way that they need but you still honor the fact that they're human. And that one point that they could do these things, you don't see them as less than you. Mm -hmm. And it's it's extremely humbling. You learn a lot about that. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's like you talk and you're like answering questions I'm already like thinking to ask you as you're talking. (laughs) Yeah, because I know these are the things that most people aren't aware of. And so that's why I'm trying to speak to those things. Mm -hmm, 100%. And yeah, just like to to like thread off of like you're just answering all these questions that I was going to ask you anyway. <laughs> what I want to highlight for people is these are questions you could be asking 
your elders or like people you know who are transitioning you know to like have them have that completion for themselves or like have that resolution for themselves and I know you mentioned it a little bit about in our like DM conversation but could you like speak more to the reincarnation um wheel and and your (laughs) your explanation of that Oh, it's so much. And I'm still learning so much. So uh, that's why I emphasize like no one's an expert at anything. That's such uh, an egoic idea to think that someone can acquire all this information and suddenly know it all. Right. I'm still really learning this. And I'm actively in part of a group study, a book study with one of my favorite occultists. Shout out LVX777, Travis Magus. He put me onto this book by a really famous occultist named Dion Fortune. And that book... um, talks about grief specifically and talks about the process of death and in that she is very practical it's called book of the dead not like the egyptian book of the dead or a comedic book of the dead but it's it's her book and we really go into um the the things that we see in a modern experience at a funeral like wearing black and having the flowers at the altar and or at a specific space or making everything really dark these are actually funerary rites that are innate in these processes like the flowers and i know you know about flower essences girl Mm -hmm. i I need a new bottle of that for sure (laughs) because i've been using that okay um flowers are extremely high in chronic value in essence and so they are like prana for those who are transitioning those spirits they help to guide those spirits to these heavenly spaces to these realms or to purgatory so yes these planes of existence are very real but they're not necessarily physical containers like like that would hold us like our bodies or a prison or a cell or anything like that there are more of whatever has been acquired and again i spoke to the elements um whatever has been acquired on each plane is where the person's going to be drawn to the most because they have that experience. And that's why I say it's really important to challenge yourself and to work with the other elements to kind of know these kingdoms because you get introduced and invited into more of those spaces. And so with the earth being the densest, it goes all the way up to Akash. So from earth to water to fire, air, and ether. And each body has its own set of additional bodies, right? So that's why you can tell when something is happening. Even as a birth work, you can tell the baby is coming. You feel that energetic shift literally in the room. Mm-hmm. It becomes more real, right? It feels more anchored and more grounded. Same thing when a person is transitioning. You can tell the difference between the dying and the dead. You can literally feel there's not that same presence anymore. Mm-hmm. And unless you have that ability to connect with that spiritual plane you're not going to sense it you're not going to be able to feel the subtlety of where that spirit or how that spirit is moving and how long and it's also been challenging my idea of ancestral veneration and that's why i've been linking it more of contacting the elements than to the actual person right Mm -hmm. Uh, and how that being will show up is like an energetic imprint based on your connection to those elements so and i think a lot of that I was kind of prepared for even through childhood because I had experienced a lot of trauma really, really young. And I had to work through grief often in order to move forward. And that's still something I'm actively doing. But an example of that was like paranormal activities and like spirit communication. So I would read again, like about those books of mummification. What are things we can do to the physical body that would represent that like eternal life? You know, how can I 
can, how can I process the emotions I feel towards a person I never met who maybe died in my lineage? Like for me, that was a grandfather. And I remembered writing him a letter and putting it in a balloon like that was filled with helium and releasing it out right to the ether wow. to like connect to that. Or also making like cryptic art. Like I'm, I've never shied away from kind of like the gory spookism of like October art kind of theme. Mm-hmm. And I, you often see it a lot with crows. A lot of people are really afraid of crows, but they're messengers. You know, they teach us these these very lessons of what it means to be able to commune and to be a bridge from one side to the other and to really see what takes place in between that transition. So I think a lot of it has to do with really, you know, becoming in tune with your own emotional process and seeing where you are trying to, or you have the idea or the assumption that the person who is dying feels the same. Mm-hmm. You know, because for a lot of people, death is a release. For a lot of people, they're like, oh, finally, like, I feel like I can let go, I can move forward. And they also understand the dynamics that that has in their lineage, because some people are dependent on one part, person of their lineage, like, say, you come from a codependent family, and that's been passed off from generation to generation. When the matriarch or the patriarch of that lineage transitions, everyone else has been forced to evolve or grow or to remain stagnant, right? Yeah. So there are these major pieces in play that happen. And what I tend to do after someone's transitioned and I can see that the family is grieving, I tend to hold, again, space at a physical altar. I offer like a candle or some light and I do some prayer or I offer a song and I let them go. Like I just say, I see you, I understand what's happened to you now. And I'm going to help you by, you know, offering this voice and letting you know that where you are right now, this is a temporary space, right? And again, this is the beginning of this journey more so for me. So I can't say, I know what happens on the other side. Mm -hmm. Death is one of those experiences where you don't know until you die. And the same thing with being born. Not everyone has memory of that. And I know there are some people who are being born who say they can remember being in the womb, like some young children, and they have that recollection. So I think that's the medicine that's actually going towards the next few generations. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll have more clarity on that. But, you know, ultimately, it is really just honoring and respecting them. And from what I've learned from a lot of occultists is that it's an inversion. Like you hear that a lot. Like this is an inversion of what heaven is really like. Everything here is backwards. And that's what we're trying to anchor in, you know, the redirection of that. But that when people are super attached to a spirit, we actually keep them bound to the mm. earth and tethered to the earth. And what their soul wants to do is to be freed. And so this idea of reincarnation or this concept and the actuality of it is whatever attachments are pulling them to the earth. And it ha- it's up to the person to decide whether or not they want to pursue that. Mm-hmm. So maybe their daughter is in, in, in peril and grief and and you'll see it sometimes someone will transition and then their child will die shortly after because that bond was so tight yep. and they did what they needed to do that they'll go. But if that person is like, oh, I never got to, I should have done this, you know, and that's why I ask those questions like, is there any regret that you have? Is there anything that's unresolved that needs tending to? Are you in a place of acceptance to to reconnect? Because when you get to those higher planes, you can't come back from that. Yeah. That's why usually when you have that consciousness awakening you can't unsee things anymore like you you know what it is you could choose not to pursue that lifestyle or to do those things but you have an awareness of it it's similar as you keep going towards that ascension where you're lightening your heart you're letting go of that baggage you're shedding all those things that require because none of that is really you and in the everyday when i talked about life and death when we're seeing death or the, the symbols of things in our everyday it's really understanding that the divine 
is incarnated through all of its creations. So you get to a point where you could literally see God or see the goddess in everything. Like everything is holy, everything is sacred, and it's that act of, of like devotion and understanding. Wow, I was never separate in the first place. So that's when, when birth and death are no longer this illusion, mm-hmm. but you just see it as an entry point. You just recognize it as an experience. And you can continue to experience in different ways, on different levels, as different things, because you are reconnected with that I am state that's not attached to anything. It has the potential to be anything it wants. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's just remembering and reminding you, like, this is where you're going. This is what you're becoming. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, like, that that one space that like like that wholeness <laughs> you can't see it on the mm-hmm. audio but i'm like holding up a, a zero it's like uh, <laughs> yeah. the zero space this like everything is just everything space mm-hmm. and yeah yeah returning to that i'm just really present to that <laughs> after what yeah. you just said <laughs> and yeah just the importance of the importance of just like expressing those those like unresolved things those like mm-hmm. regrets like to to like better prepare yourself or be- to like better allow yourself to let go of everything so it's not such a struggle so it's not mm-hmm. such a long period of time to that be you're free st- of it exactly to be free of it mm-hmm. yeah to be free of it so you're like able to like go somewhere else you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I'm just like because my mom is super tapped into like the mediumship seeing dead people sort of space and similarly to what you described she sees it a lot of like in in her like coming out of sleep sort of space and I remember her telling me the story of how she was in one of these apartment buildings that um we didn't live there but it was like one of her friends and she'd like just she was just coming out of her sleep and she just remembers seeing because we lived we also lived like pretty near uh, a graveyard like I Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I grew up pretty much living across the street from a graveyard from Mm -hmm. for a long period of time as a kid (laughs) (laughs) and she's like telling me about how she's just seeing these people in this space they're not alive but they're just like doing things that like regular humans would do but they're like spirits and it's like they just keep doing it and it's like this like inability to let go of the experience and to like move on is what I'm seeing as well and and it's interesting too now that I'm thinking of that is like my own abilities because I think more of like more of what I tap into is like sensing when spirits are in spaces and mm-hmm. like ushering them out of spaces is like mm-hmm. a lot of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of clearing, cleansing type work, similar yeah. to even I'm looking at the colors are wearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a mm-hmm. lot of like clearing, cleansing work that I do, and I think part of clearing, cleansing work with spirits and spaces as well is like letting them know that it's okay to get out and to go somewhere else Mm -hmm. like find somewhere else to be like Mm -hmm. you are not required in this space anymore (laughs) and that's 
That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And for those, because you can't see us, but she's wearing white and I'm wearing black and, you know, <laughs> clearing and cleansing and holiness and like a lot of feelings of safety when doing astral work involve white colors and also like covering your head, like protection. And black can do the same thing, but it's a more expansive color and it's a neutralizing color because everything becomes that. So mm-hmm. it, that's why you usually see it at funerals and you see it when people are working and doing like dark quote unquote magic. It's not really dark or white magic. Exactly. It's just intention of the person. A lot of these things get attributed to, to the work, but it really has to do with the people mm-hmm. and the consciousness. And what you're saying is, is so true. And it's funny because I live by a railroad now and I work by a railroad. So like the fact of transport to and from and, and that kind of work, um, you really see it. You know, you really see it when you're in these spaces of like, okay, there is a physical result of these spiritual things that are happening and they're connected. It's not woo. It's not something that you can ever make up like it's actually happening. And I think there's a distinction for those who are just coming into these abilities to like question and like, that's good. That's healthy. That's how you're going to get those answers. But when you can remove the kind of spookism of it and have Mm -hmm. your own personal experience with it. That's when you're going to know whether or not it's true and what results you get from that are also going to indicate if it's working or if it's something that you should be doing or if maybe you need to veer in another direction. So Mm -hmm. that's that's key. And that's why I also mentioned the fact of being an occultist and an anthropologist really helps me because in those spaces, you have to learn to unlearn. You can't assume certain things and you go into states of detachment from kind of I want to say intellectual but you understand that the mind is not just like your brain but you understand that there's a your body has its own mind and it's directing itself it's not something you're in control of you have these systems that are working for you unconsciously at all times and without it you wouldn't survive and then you go into those higher concepts those spiritual concepts of mind like the unconscious and the superconscious and all these things and that's when we're connecting with the elemental kingdom mm-hmm. and when we're having these abilities and what we see will look different to someone i mentioned the crow for some people that's a frightening terrible thing and for me i'm like hey my god what's up <laughs> you know like we're good so it's just it's so awesome that you were able to to pull from that and to really see just how connected birth and death are and like the in-betweens of you know, what things you've been inheriting from both kind of like polarities, not even really polarities, but <laughs> from both aspects of that experience is like, whoa, wait, my auntie, uh, my mama, I see myself yeah. in this too. And like wondering what you're creating, it makes you think more about legacy. Like, what am I leaving behind for others to pick up? Mm-hmm. It makes you even more intentional with what you're doing. Yep. It 100% makes you even more intentional about what you're doing and yeah <laughs> and how you're doing it and and how with you whom? want literally with, Those with, bonds. yep with well, who you're gonna you're go doing. call grandma now and yeah exactly exactly and it's like I think that's that's like part of it too with like even asking those questions to your elders or like Uh, people who you know that are transitioning and whatnot is like this like they're like there isn't that checking in with with elders as much anymore because they aren't living in our homes anymore Mm -hmm. you know or a lot of them aren't living in our homes anymore and it's like I'm thinking too that this this is what makes that that letting go so difficult for a lot of them 
as well because it's like they have a lot of things that they want to say to you that they want to give to you that they want to like express and convey to you that hasn't been able to be expressed because you're it's just the communication and the opportunity to be in communication or in presence just isn't there mm -hmm. right and for those who feel displaced or for those who don't maybe know where they come from they mm -hmm. their ancestry is a mystery especially for those like in quote-unquote diaspora i've there's so many ways i feel about that word <laughs> but um <laughs> because it's, we're all i mean Indigenous people are indigenous because they are part of the planet. That's why I say we connect with the earth element in this mm -hmm. experience. We call earth is an element and it's also where we live. Like, and people don't really think about that, but it's, it has the same name. Right. And that's, it's also a European name, but um, we, we can remember like through that experience we're having when we kind of share those stories, when we recognize like, Oh, when we're transitioning, like, you know, it's not about being here one day and being gone the next. Like, mm -hmm. that's why the importance of bloodline and lineage, remembering that you are already tapped into that and connected with that. Yeah. Is how you're even able to commune with the elementals and get that information. This is why you can do Akashic Records. This is why you can do past life regression because you're going to get a scenario. And also with storytelling, these events may not have even happened in the way that it's being depicted to you, but it's going to give you the information and for you to interpret it. Mm -hmm. So it can give you an example. It can give like when we're talking and having a conversation, I'll say, oh, an example of this would be like this. That didn't really happen. I just pulled that out from somewhere to convey mm -hmm. what I'm trying to give to you as information. So whether people really resonate with ancestral veneration or not, if they are, you know, shying away from the idea of psychic mediumship, it's really just understanding what's the story yeah what's the information that's being given what is the lesson in that and that's why everywhere in culture you'll see different types of mythology that's our way of trying to connect to the divine and understand and interpret what's happening through a language that we can understand and those who have that kind of gift as healers as artists as um, creators we have the ability to be in direct communication in a way where we can receive what it is that needs to be conveyed and put it into the story and, and create those stories, those writers and those authors and share it with others to internalize and, and understand. And I think it's so interesting now that a lot of these creators and artists are on strike and there's going to be a revolution in that way about what's going to come up next because it is a time and a chance for us to choose what stories are we going to tell? Mm -hmm. How how do we deserve to go about telling these stories? You know, Are we receiving what we need to from these stories? And can we, you know, take the old stories and make them you know uh relevant to where we are now and not keep repeating the same stories we've been told just doing live action movies of the same movie mm -hmm. like you know where can we get that refreshing and of course there's nothing really new under the sun but because everything is so vast and expansive in reality it's like can we acknowledge and tap into these other stories that didn't have that voice yeah. that didn't have that representation that didn't have that advocacy and now tell their story. Mm -hmm. Yep. 100%. And yeah, and to point to what you were saying in terms of like the bloodline thing is that what I what I really think about when you when you said that is how a fear of death that people have is like, oh, like um legacy and whatever, you know? Like your legacy already exists in like your ancestors. 
-hmm. you know like that already exists in like your children even like Mm -hmm. your cousins that have similar like dna constitution as you you know like your legacy is inherent by you just being alive here or being born here Mm -hmm. and this like this like emphasis on like I need to like leave this legacy of blah 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 and like I'm I'm attaching to this and blah 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 yes like amazing leave something impactful for other humans to tap into when you're gone Mm -hmm. and being alive is impact (laughs) enough Mm -hmm. (laughs) being alive is impact enough yeah to things like to people to things to animals and i'm seeing a freaking like um a hawk (laughs) flying Mm. as we're talking which is so epic but Mm -hmm. (laughs) but just like all of this is already you're already impacting so much that you you don't even know that you're impacting just by being alive and walking around on the planet and being you and just Mm -hmm. like this worry about like purpose and like (laughs) yeah and stuff like that is like you are the purpose like your life Mm -hmm. is the purpose (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. that's the biggest attachment people have mm -hmm. did i do enough did i like did i fulfill it and even this like language of like having a mission and a purpose that's why i said at that at that final point what i want clients to recognize is they're remembering they are that i am Mm -hmm. right they are that literally manifested version of that we can't even conceptualize really because our humanity gets in the way of it but it's, it's already sacred to be in a body because what was what created that body was intention and was purposeful in itself and that's it just mm-hmm. get into a space of being and there's a lot of barriers you know we, we have to pay rent and we got to eat and take care of things and do our own things but we can get to that point of stillness which is definitely what that essence of death represents where you're completely present and everything shows up in that space of stillness for you to deal with you can really achieve a deeper state of peace and for a lot of people they may not do it at death because it's so much to unpack but when someone can be at peace and are ready to go which i did have the experience with my first client of being that it is so beautiful. I mean, you didn't. There's not even a distinction between living and the dead. It's just someone who looks like they're deeply sleeping, and they're at peace. So, and I think we definitely need more depictions of what that can actually be like because there is so much violence and and media um, and so much gore and you know again the fear or the aversion of pain, right? Of of like brutality, and that's not the only way to transition or to die. I think so many people associate death with being painful when someone could have a very painful death, an excruciating one even, and some people pass in their sleep, don't even know what's going on. And I think one of my like most blatant introductions to that was like the notebook of like the faded connections of her and her partner <laughs> and then like dying together in bed and like being ready and saying like, you think we could fly away? Like, you know, like that's something that they always were connected to in their waking life. And I remembered when children were being born, where those unborns were connecting, I could always sense that. Even when I was pregnant myself, like I knew that my baby wanted to come and I was like, oh, the conditions aren't how I think they should be. And da, da, da. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to hold you back. Like, I know that you're ready and I love you. And the point is not where I am. It's the fact that you're coming 
and we're going to make the best of each situation. I'm going to be present for that. And we're going to do this thing and I'm here for you. So if you're ready to come now, like I'm ready for you, I'm ready to receive you. And I went into labor that night. Like I was in, I was in it already. So that conversation, that connection is real. When you trust it and you allow it and you make space for it, when you realize it's not about what we think things should be, but we're just there moment by moment. It, and that's why moments of magic is what it is because the magic is in the mundane things also and it's just happening all the time mm-hmm. yes. we really just tap into that exactly moment by moment like the magic and in, in all of those mm-hmm. moments and ah just how all of the like how everything is just a continuum everything is just mm-hmm. that 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 space of everythingness and mm-hmm. on that note I think this is like the perfect space to to yeah. end yeah <laughs> speaking of continuums <laughs> this is the perfect place to end thank you so 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 much for coming on the podcast Indigo I absolutely loved this conversation it was so expansive um yeah is there anything that you want to like close off with that you're like this is something that everyone needs to to hear right now or know right now um that you have the space (laughs) to express that (laughs) yeah um I just say you know when it comes to this you know to take your time with it and what it really asks of you all it definitely asks of you is to be authentic to just be honest and where you are and who you are and that's it there's nothing else you need to do. It's literally the invitation to be free and and in a way where it is about just you. So, you know, if you're also dealing with someone who's in the process of transitioning, you know, try to have that grace and to allow that space for that person to, to be free. Maybe think of the ways in which you'd like to liberate yourself from something and to do your best to allow space for them to experience that for them because your time will come also and there should be space for you to be held in that way and to be witnessed um so thank you also for for inviting me here and for listening and taking this in i know that it is quite expensive and it could happen so rapidly but you know i definitely want to offer some time to to ground and to like meditate after this and to just like give yourself space to integrate all this information because it was a lot (laughs) and um i look forward to connecting with you in other ways so thank you again for inviting me this was so amazing so enriching my absolute pleasure and totally loved that like ending piece that you spoke to and it's just reminding me of like what birth asks of you as well (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be honest with yourself and to Mm to just liberate yourself and another piece that I want to speak to from what you said too for for those who are dealing with someone that's that's about to die like and finding ways to like liberate yourself like finding ways to find resolution within yourself about this person actually is going to die too because Mm -hmm. like we spoke to earlier those like heavy strong emotions are, are what sometimes anchors these spirits to still linger mm-hmm. allow allow that that elder that ancestor that person to to be free you know like and it also means allowing your own grief your own mm-hmm. rage your own sadness to fill you up and exactly. realizing that you have that shared experience mm-hmm. it's a 
in the process of letting them be free, you're allowing yourself to be free too. So, yes. ah, okay, let me stop talking before it goes into like a two hour conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for being here. So much love and yeah, peace. Much love. <laughs> If you loved what you heard today, please let me know by giving the podcast some love in the reviews, liking, commenting, and sharing with someone you love as well. As always, too, you can connect with me on Instagram at Key of Life Birthkeeper and with any of my guests with their information and details located in the description. Until next time, Ashe.